All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Welcome back to the Garage Build Podcast. I am your gracious host, Jason Hallman. This episode is featuring a good friend of mine named Jeff Corliss. Uh, he and I go way back. He works for Baker Drivetrain. He writes textbooks for high school, and he's also an auto shop high school teacher. So he and I used to teach together at Wesley Chapel High School. That's right. Yours truly was molding young minds, uh, if you can just fathom that for a second. Think about that. Want to thank our sponsors, Arlen Nest Motorcycle Company. Check out their new line of wheels and matching rotors. The fine folks over at Bell Helmets. Keep your lid safe. I wear the new Carbon Eliminator Helmet. It's my favorite. Super light, awesome, great field of view. The fine folks over at NAMS and Electric. Giving you the best LEDs with the best warranty in the industry. 1620 USA American Made Workwear. You hear me talk about it all the time. Go get yourself some shop pants. They're worth every penny. Team Dream Rides of Tennessee and Stockton, California. Going to attend their open house for their grand opening May 15th. My buddy Willie Wu over at Pro One Performance. And then now, just added, fine folks at High Seas Rally. That is a cruise ship that is all motorcyclists all bikers were taking it over go to highseasrally.com check them out on instagram they're giving away a cabin and they're going to give away a custom built chopper built by my buddy xavier muriel from providence cycle works so it's time to get this thing going give me the next episode of the garage Bill podcast with my buddy jeff corliss thanks for listening to the Garage Build Podcast with your host, Jason Holman. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh, I got my card in there. Yeah, we're recording. We should be good. I should have plenty of, plenty of stuff. This my fucking office is, I'm like, ah. so I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why we never did this before. I don't know. We, I think we tried like a hundred years ago. We're I think we your, talked we're about in it. Living room, and like <laughs> you had just started getting things together, and like none of the technology worked. Oh, that it's very possible. And then we're gonna do it, and then the next weekend, and then that never happened. Right. I mean, it, th- that's a very likely scenario. That's usually how things go. I actually think I was crashing on your couch. It was that long ago. Was it that long ago? <laughs> God damn, did I start doing this that long ago? I ran into, um, I'm sure you know who Danger Dan is. 
You don't know who Danger Dan is? MC Shop Tees? Okay, well, so uh, Danger Dan is a podcaster out okay. of Texas, and he's he's really, really got a, he's got a super strong following. He is, um, he basically, he's like a, he's a little bit of a gypsy, and it's, it's funny because he this year just told, or he basically just told everybody this year that um, his kids are old enough now to know that he's not, he's not there where he's when right. they think he should be there kind of yeah. thing. You know, he, he put this on his podcast. I'm not putting anything out there in anybody's business, but basically that this was going to be his last year to go to Daytona for a while hmm. until his son wants to go because his son is old enough now that, you know, right. you know how it is. Yeah, how, yeah. how old's Charlie now? Seven. Seven. So there's a few years there where they, they really don't do anything but lay there. And yeah. Like, okay. I'm well, a dad. First, first it doesn't three, four years. It's like, okay, cool. I got this little thing running around taking my money. And they don't remember. <laughs> And they don't remember that that you. This sounds shitty, but my kids don't remember whether I was there or not. Right. The only re reason that they know that I wasn't there is because their mother tells them that <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I um, but so I'm here. Welcome back to the Garageville Podcast. Uh, I'm here with one of my dearest friends for the last twenty years, or right around there. Right. Uh, Jeff Corliss and. Um, he, you know, go way, way, way back to my JR Psychorks days. He worked at Saturn of Plymouth, and uh, I moved to Florida in 2010, and you moved to Phoenix what year? 2010, yeah. 2000, so you moved out of Detroit the same time I did? Yeah, a couple months later. Okay, and you went to MMI, and you are a, you've, you've been in, uh, you have kind of a funny story. I always think it's, you know, when I tell people, people that, that I come across that know us mutually, um, uh, we're very different in a lot of ways. We're very similar in a lot of ways. And that people always like, they don't know things about you. Like you went to school to be a horticulturalist I, I did. and you have a degree in horticulture from a very storied university. I mean, you went to Michigan state university and you have a four year and you did the whole deal. I do. Yeah. It's uh, my life is kind of broken up into weird segments like that. And uh, when something comes up and it comes up in conversation, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know a little bit about that. Yeah, you you're one of those guys that is a little bit of a renaissance man in that you have kind of your you do have your 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 interest it stops at many different places, right? It's right. not just one place or the other. You don't you don't hyper focus too much on any one on any one thing for too long. And you you're one of these guys that comes from a like an artist type family and you couldn't draw really you can't really draw a stick no, figure. Not you know at what all. I mean? You not know what good art looks like and you know what good music sounds like and you, right. but you and you have your own you kind of have your own your own way yeah you know it's just you just do you kind of just do jeff and kind of just go along along the way and and you know you kind of just who you are who you are <laughs> I've, I've kind of always explained it as i make it up as i go and what i don't know i fake it until i figure it out and then move on to the next piece which is funny because when i knew you were a saturn I'm trying to think. You knew Tim, who I knew, yes. right? Yep. And you got in some sort of an unfortunate situation with your motorcycle that required some repairs that you didn't have the either the place or the space or the time to do. So you brought it to right. JR Cycle Works. Yep. And you know Tim. Tim brought you in. Tim. We hired Tim at, at JR Cycle Works. You ended up working for JR Cycle Works uh, after I left. You took my position on the road show on yep. the road team for Baker, yep. right? When I left in 08, yep. that was when you It was you that same up. year. That same year you weren't able to go on the road that year. So I oh, went, nine. 
It was 09 was when was we started. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I went in 08 was my first surgeon, and then 09 yep. you went. Yep. And you've been with Baker off and on ever since then. Ever since then, yeah. Yep. And then you went to Phoenix, and you went to MMI, and you got all of your Harley. You have, like, every Harley certification, yep. do you not? Yeah. Yep. You're such a good student. I was never a good student. <laughs> yeah. I would have got halfway through that course and either failed out over being an asshole or attendance or thinking I knew more than the instructors and you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. You just keep your head down and keep, keep trucking along. And you know, you, you know that there's an end in sight eventually. Right. <laughs> it, it, the, the funny thing is too, is I can remember when I moved down here in 2010 and started cycle stop USA, I started cycle stop USA the fall or the previous fall in 09 when I left JR cycle works, we started it in Michigan to bring it down here. The whole plan was always to bring it down here. It was never to have a, a store in Michigan. Um, it was just, that's where I was at already. So that's kind of how I, I garnered, uh, the pieces and parts that I needed to move down here. And then, um, I moved down here, things kind of went south and I don't remember how you and I reconnected, but I, I, I don't remember if I had already had you had, you and I had already reconnected or not when I knew that I needed a co-teacher at the high school. And so I, I think you saw some shitty dramatic Facebook post or something about how the desert was hot and I wasn't enjoying myself. So you just, <laughs> you just called me out of the blue and I think you called me. I did call your, you out of the blue. You called me out of the blue on your way to school one morning at 7 a.m., which was actually 4 a.m. in Phoenix. Dude, I didn't know that there's, <laughs> I just recently learned that, that, that there's a time zone thing. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. <clears throat> and you were working at the dealership at the time. Yeah, I was working at a Chevy dealer out there. In an air, it was like an all-enclosed air-conditioned service department, right? No, it was it was a metal building standing outside in the middle of the desert, and it was miserable. How did you? How does how does one do that? I mean, how does walk me through like that day? So, <laughs> so I rode my motorcycle pretty much every day out there because I could hop on hop in the HOV lane. Um, I could be doing 90 when the rest of the traffic was stopped. So it's 100 degrees when you wake up in the morning and then you hop on the bike, already hot, and then you head out there and it's just, it's daunting. Like, you know it's just going to get 20 degrees hotter and it's just miserable. <laughs> I mean, is there any refuge at all? Um, no. <clears throat> I mean, if you had to go in to talk to a sales guy or something, you knew you had three minutes of air conditioning, but that's about it. I can't even imagine going from 120 into what do they keep the air conditioning in Phoenix at? Like 70. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's quite a difference. Yeah. It's, I it's was thinking that change. it would be like it would scale up to where it's like, wow, no, they keep it at like 85, but it feels great. You yeah. know what I mean? No, 85 <laughs> would have felt great. But <laughs> So what? there's sandstorms and shit that go through there, is there not? Yeah, they, they're called tsunami. No, not tsunamis. Haboobs is what they're called. Haboobs. Haboobs. Tsunami is what, is what happens Tsunami's with the water. the water, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a haboob is just like this 20-mile-long wall of sand that blows through, and um, it feels like you're being sandblasted, like you're just standing outside getting blasted by sand. Um, the very first one I saw, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to stand out and watch it, and then after a few minutes – Realized that was a terrible idea. Does it get in your tools? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to buy a very expensive cover for my toolbox that just got blasted by the elements. Really? The entire time I was out there, yeah. I don't think I told everybody what your name is. You're Jeff Corliss. I am Jeff Corliss, yes. Yes, and you are currently the automotive instructor, the lead automotive instructor at Wesley Chapel High School. And that was a school that I didn't start that school, but I kind of got got it off the ground for yeah, everybody. Yeah, you, you built it up 
to the point where I could, when I took over, was was running smoothly. Right on. Yeah, and you're currently writing textbooks now, right? I am, yep. And yeah, so yeah. at some point you, you want to bring in, we're going to bring in one of your partners that you're writing with, right? And you right. have some other things going on too. Why don't you yes. tell us, introduce, introduce yourself real quick. Just give us a quick introduction and then introduce your, your, uh, your cohort and then we'll, we'll bring them in. Okay. Uh, so again, Jeff Corliss, um, automotive teacher at Wesley Chapel High School here in Wesley Chapel, Florida. Um, writing textbooks for a couple of companies or writing for textbook companies, doing some editing as well. Um, then my friend David Jones, which we're going to patch in here in just a second, um, he's the one kind of got me involved in all of that. And he and I decided to start a YouTube channel recently, uh, Tri Lakes Performance DIY. Um, we kind of focus on the older side of cars, vehicles, um, just showing basics of things that may have been forgotten, um, building up some cool stuff. He's, he's building a cool vehicle out there. I let him talk about He's up in Indianapolis. Okay, so you guys are not, you guys don't occupy the same space. No, no, he's he's got his place up in Indianapolis. He's got a nice shop going up there. Um, I work out of the school down here. So we do Tri-Lakes Performance North, Tri-Lakes Performance South when we're shooting our videos. And Very good. And no, I mean, you've got to do that. You've got to try to try to partition that off. So yeah, that, you know, yep, that's yep. great. You know, and the, the educational piece of that is something that, you know, you and I have, every time we talk, we, we, don't stumble upon. I mean, we actually have a real dialogue about the school and <clears throat> there are th definitely some things that I miss about that space. Right. I yeah. just couldn't do what I do here and do that anymore. Yeah. And, you and were so, definitely burning your candle at both ends at that point. So. Yeah. And I, but I look back at that and I remember it so fondly of going to bed every night accomplished. And that's yeah. something that I don't always get here. You know right. what I mean? Sometimes I just go to bed tired yeah. and uh, accomplished is, is really good sleep. Yeah, exactly. So you want to bring him in? Yeah, let me give him a call right now. Cool. You should be able to hear him through. Yeah, there we go. And his name's David? David, yep, David Perfect. Jones. Hello. Hey, David, how are you? How's it going, man? Good, good. You are on with Jason and I on the podcast. Oh, hey, hello, good. Jason. How's it going? I'm well. How are you, David? Doing good. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Jeff was just telling us about uh, you guys are, you. Have, what is the name of the, the YouTube channel? It is Tri-Lakes Performance Tri -Lakes DIY. Performance DIY. So, and he was, he was articulating out the difference between the North and the South and, uh, you kind of kind of bringing us up to speed on that. So, how did you and uh, in 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 uh, Jeff come to know each other? And Jeff was actually one of my subcontractors when I was doing my consulting business, and uh, one thing led to another. We just became friends. It went from there. Yeah, he's easy to become friends with, right? You know, he is. As long as you don't have to look at him every day, you're good. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I had to do that for a little while. But, yeah, Jeff and I go back um, go back almost 20 years. And so uh, he's one of my dearest friends. And, you know, we taught together at the school there for a little while. And uh, we've worked together on the road. We've worked together here in my shop. So, And I just know what kind of an adept uh, mechanic he is. But he, he's actually he's one of these guys that you have um, – He's very analytical thinker in, in high level. So when you have something that uh, that's kind of kicking your ass, he's the guy that, that you can go to, and he's got the patience and the wherewithal and knows how to how to delineate out what things are wrong. And, and that's a that's a skill that's almost impossible to teach. 
And you really can. It's one of those just innate understandings, right? Either you have it or you don't. Yeah. And David also comes from an education background as well. Um, he taught at, at some community colleges, taught the automotive side and diesel side as well, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, but I taught at our community college for eight years. I did auto diesel. We did some HVAC. Kind of a jack-of-all-trades, really. I bounced around with industrial maintenance, done a little bit robotics. I got, I, I started a diesel training program uh, a couple of years ago, knowing absolutely nothing about diesel when we started. So it's, it's one of those things that's just been a wild ride. Are you, do you come from the traditional sense of uh, the educational background, or is this the educational uh, the educational opportunity fell in your lap just based off of knowledge and being in the right place at the right time? Man, it really started, I was a tech for Chrysler, a Jeep, and I and Mercedes-Benz. And honestly, I always like to have toys. I like to have cars. I figured early on working on them is not the best way to get them because you don't make any money. <laughs> so I just went, I went back to school. I was working doubles as a night maintenance manager. So the education kind of fell into my lap, and it was something that I just discovered I enjoyed, and I ran with it. Yeah, I mean, that's how it happened for me, and that's how it actually happened for Jeff, uh, you know, by just by association. But I was down here, and um, I saw one of those schools where they teach you how to ride your motorcycle so you can get your endorsement. And my wife was on the back of my motorcycle, and she said, pull over. You know, we're new down here. Let's let's. There's all motorcycle riders there. Let's give them a business card. So we did, and... Um, one thing led to another, and one of the guys was an auto shop teacher and asked me if I would come speak in front of his students, and I did. And I spent the day there, you know, doing little, uh, you know, little small presentations. He said, you should do this for a living. I'm like, man, I'm not degreed. And he goes, you don't have to be down here. And he explained to me how they give you life work credits and or work life credits, rather, and each district certifies you. And so the next thing you know, I've got a... I've got 135 students and a set of keys and, you know, I'm, I'm off to the races. And uh, it wasn't long into that until I realized that, you know, this really, we needed to bring back industrial arts, you know, for a lack of a better term to just kind of put everything in one box. We needed to have some hands-on stuff for the students that, that weren't good. Everybody's not going to be an analytical uh, code writer. You know, there's guys out there and girls out there that are going to use their hands and, you know, there's things I learned uh, being a motorcycle or an automotive mechanic that helped me be in a motorcycle mechanic. And there's things I learned being an automotive mechanic that helped me be an automotive high school teacher. So it's 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 cool. Yeah, it's funny it's how so that, true. Just, it... that just all transitions into each other. One kind of bounces off the other. And once you have that base knowledge, it just all falls in place. Yeah. I, I think the skill is not knowing everything. It's being able how to balance it and at least make it look like you do. Yeah, for teaching, definitely. Um, it, teaching is in and I, you know, I don't mean to disparage any, you know, conventional teachers, but teaching is a lot of faking it until you make it and creating your own space if you're doing it right, in, in my opinion, because I've worked with a lot of teachers that were very high level, high order thinkers that were extremely successful with their students. And, and that's, that's the one metric that you measure, you should measure your ability to teach on is the level of students that came out of your class. And, you know, I've been out of teaching now for eight years. Yep. And, uh, well, I went back for one year here in, in Polk County, um, that didn't, it just didn't, it wasn't a good fit, but, um, I still have students that I know, uh, ended up 
in a favorable place. And I, I like to think that it was because they started in a favorable place that they ended up in one. And that's honestly what brought me to start with the uh, kind of the TLP DOY stuff. And that's what got Jeff interested, I think, as well, too. So we love that giving back. And we kind of wanted to really start speaking to the things that we enjoy, which is building the vehicles and doing the projects that, that we like to do. Not necessarily the basic technician stuff, but doing some of the strange and the fringe stuff and showing people how to do it properly, elevating that knowledge a little bit. Why don't you um, take us through a little walk through your channel, David, and let us know kind of, you know, where it's at and, and what can be found on there and what was the genesis for, for identifying the need for uh, a YouTube channel? You know, a YouTube channel before this was not anything I ever thought about doing, but what I always loved to do was build custom vehicles, uh, be it make them go faster, suspension modifications, anything of that. I've been kicking around the idea for years. I just decided in August I was going to do it, and it culminated with the purchase of our first build, which is a 65 Chrysler, the Newport. And with the channel, we just started going through basic maintenance items. Uh, the first video I did was I did a drive shaft diagnosis, a vibration diagnosis on my old R3. And then it kind of goes through some basic service information, then we go through some installs, some builds on the Chrysler. We have some videos on the Grumman. Jeff put some awesome videos up about his Impala. And it's kind of free form, anything related to DIY, automotive, or motorcycles. I'd say if it, it has to do with anything with an engine and wheels that's customized and unique, it'll probably find its way into our channel. You know, you're talking about a 65 Chrysler Newport. So I'm, I'm thinking that's, uh, is it a small block or a big block? That is a big block car. It's all original and it's currently getting a 94 millimeter ball bearing turbo. We're going to do a forged bottom end. We're shooting for about seven, 800 horse out of that one, but it looks pretty much all stock and original from the outside. So, so is it a 383? Yeah. Okay, so it's a B motor, not an RB motor. Um, Correct. It's so, a low deck. Yeah. So I'm 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 conjuring up visions of, um, you know, the side mounted distributor with the points, and then you could upgrade with the Chrysler, the direct connection, Mopar Performance. You could get the little the little ignition box and the conversion kit, and um, that's a very unique engine in that the coolant doesn't run through the intake manifold. So you've got this really cool. That's a very cool. Um, engine for drag racing like for setting up for drag racing which is where my background is my first pass down the drag strip uh when i was in high school was in a 1969 plymouth roadrunner with a 400 which is a it's a b motor yeah. it's a it's basically yeah. a factory stroked uh 383 uh and a 727 torque flight with an eight and three quarter rear end with 430 gears and a slapstick uh you know a slapstick out of a 70 roadrunner in that 69 it you know it's so visceral when you start thinking about all the things you can do and that motor would have had a carter afb from the factory which <laughs> right when those came back out when the carter afb got popular again around 90 91 92 93 it was it was like a popular like street rotter carburetor everybody looked at it kind of like a dog looks at you when you start whistling you know they just turn their head sideways. They just don't see what it is. There's so many moving parts and pieces of that. That's so cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah. And the, 
with that one, I mean, it's get, it's got a full suspension. I'm going to integrate a roll cage, you know, kind of behind the scenes. So it's one of those things. It looks stock, but it's sitting like four inches off the ground. It's running 18-inch tires. We're going to have wheel wood brakes. And the interior is going to be all original. The paint's all original. Everything is as it left the factory in 65 up top. And it's just one of those things. I, I just wanted to be able to troll Porsche Ferrari Corvette owners. I mean, especially my thing, guys. You know, that works. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we know we are. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's you know. what's great about those old cars is the long, the full sweep uh, instrument cluster. You know, in the speedometer, particularly in the Plymouths and the Chryslers, was this big, this big long needle that just took yep. forever to move across the <laughs> dashboard, and it doesn't even use the back half of it most of the time, right? I mean, those cars were so cool, and a lot of the instrument, uh, the instrumentation in there was was dials, not knobs, yep, right? And then, and you had like this platform in the in the dashboard. I mean, it's so cool the the Art Deco mid century, post mid century kind of. Um, uh, engineering that went on, you know, Chrysler was always so cutting edge with design work and they were very centric on horsepower, you know, H hence the, the, the two iterations of the Hemi, the early Hemis, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I agree. So that's, that's kind of my personal car. And then what really, that kind of started off the channel and then we acquired the Grumman. I don't know if Jeff has told you about that one. I haven't gone into that one yet. The Gremlin? No. Uh, it's a Grumman, actually. A Grumman, uh, okay, an, yeah. Okay. An all-aluminum body, weighs like 3,000 pounds. I found it up in northern Indiana. The thing is mint. It has a little small block in it. So what yeah. we did is I bought it, we got it, and we channeled the frame. We put C-notches in it. We're going to drop it on bags. It's getting an LS, and it's going to be a full ground-up build. So that would probably be one of the first full TLP builds that we do with the intent of promotion, possibly to sell and kind of distribute. It could be, it could be like a polished ice cream on bag, ice cream uh, truck on, on bag. That's kind of the joke we were making about it. So yeah, get in my yeah, van. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't smell <laughs> like know, tears in know, here. <laughs> we had to make it and take the, uh, the little white stranger van out of the equation, right? So you yeah. gotta make it look pretty cool. You know what's cool is my grandfather was a uh, was a Chrysler guy. Ironically enough, because I had a rule when my girls were, were growing up that they couldn't date anybody that drove a Dodge. Um, but uh, the Chryslers have a very unique starter uh, noise that the starter engagement, and it's yeah. just I don't know. It's just it's one. It's another one of those things that is so like visceral that, that, you know, brings you back to uh, a, a moment in time, just like a song does, or, you know what I mean? Like a right. smell. If you've ever been riding your bike to the neighborhood and you catch like a whiff of a smell that just, it takes you back. You don't even know where it takes you back. You just know it takes you somewhere, you know? It's funny you say that. I mean, if I hear a, a, a four liter inline six Jeep fire up, I know exactly what that starter sounds like. Yeah. You in, instantly do. Yeah. And those inline sixes, especially the four liters, had a very unique exhaust note, too. If anybody yeah. had ever, you know, it's yep. not a very, I don't think it's a very pleasant one, no. me personally. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of four and six cylinder engines uh, unless it's a 3.8 Buick with a, with a turbo on it right. and an intercooler. But um, even then, what I like about that particular engine combination is that you can't hear the exhaust note. You just hear the turbo, right? right? 
Uh, and yep. those cars are so fast. And, and that's really, to me, that's the last muscle car that was ever built in this country until, uh, in, until Dodge released the Challenger. Right. You know, and, and I still, I consider Camaros and Mustangs pony cars. And the Challenger, I consider that, consider that straight up, that's a muscle car. Right. It absolutely is. That's, that's no contest. And I have to tell you, David, I, I drive a Dodge now. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention that. Dodge I went shopping for there. trucks last year and I was like, okay, I, I can tell you right now, I am a dyed in the wool. And Jeff can attest to this because we've been friends for so long. I am a dyed in the wool Ford bleed blue. Henry Ford's one of my heroes, like all this straight up, but I was not buying a pickup truck that has an aluminum bed in it. I'm just not doing it. And I'm not doing this eco boost thing on a, on a 1500 truck. It's not going to happen. And, the 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 Chevys they didn't have anything for me and I went to the Dodge store begrudgingly and I'll tell you what man my Hemi is fast that thing will roast the tires I've only done it like once or twice and kind of half on accident you know I'm not a kid anymore I got to pay for this shit you know so but uh, yeah I'm very impressed I'm very unimpressed with all the other things that I always hated about Chrysler's but I'm very impressed with the power. <laughs> Yeah, they definitely have a lot, and our channel, especially as we get rolling, we're going to have some more of the turbo setup. I'm going to do a complete walkthrough of uh, what Nick over at OCD put together for me on the hot side, and then we're going to do the cold side setup. We're going to stay carbureted on this one. So I'm going to do a boost reference power valves. We're, we're keeping it old school. Are you doing blow through or draw through? We're doing blow through. Okay. Yeah, as long as so, the carburetor is set up for that, you or unless you have it in a hat. Do you have it in a hat? No, we're going to actually have, we're doing one of the pro, pro racing systems, uh, variable variable boost carb. They're pretty slick. Yeah, they've really, the technology has, has just gotten off the rails. So it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, and honestly, I guess one of the things that we're going to do consistently on the channel is, taking regular cars and we're going to bag them. I mean, everything I can, I'm going to bag them. We got set up with air flaming out in Arizona. So I use all their products and we got set up and I found an airbag management system that I really liked. It's called level ride. It does the height and pressure system. Um, but man, this thing is slick. The, the guy that owns the company, his name's James Cloak. He's out in Nevada. And the reason I picked this system and why I want to put it on so many vehicles is because it functions like an OE air ride, right? So right. It, has, it automatically learns. It knows if you're on the brakes. It doesn't take that into the algorithm. It knows if you're turning, so it doesn't mess up your height. It maintains your pressure. It even has a little backup button in it. So if your controller goes dead or things go funky, just hit that switch, and you can take it right up to where you need to be and hit the road. Nice. Not like the old days when you had to bag air up each bag individually when, when things went sideways. And yeah, you had all the, the switches. Leave, yeah, you couldn't leave the parking Were you lot. around when Larry uh, was friends with Gary Burton? Or was that before you? When he had the 65 Lincoln? Yeah, yep, I that, remember that. Do you remember that car? Yeah, the yeah. one that was like a neutral color? Yeah. He ended up selling that to one of the Detroit Lions. That was fun to ride around yeah. in that, in that yeah. car. It had like 20s or 22s on it. And it had it was bagged. And it was it was a cool car. It was yeah. a very cool car to, to cruise around in. It was very clean. It was a nice car. That's funny. And, and, and that's the thing. with That's that's why we kind of want to do, like, the bags and the goofy stuff. Uh, I don't know if Jeff 
told you about SC Tools. They're one of our big sponsors, and they're they're talking with us about building their SEMA car. That would be so, fantastic. Yeah, we're really stoked about it. We're still putting out some RFPs and seeing you know exactly what they want. But what this would be is a '66 Mustang that's built to like the European balloon car specs, right? So it's one of those Holman Moody road race setups. I want to do a replica of that with modern tech. And I want to put the thing on pegs. I want to make air ride handle. We'll do adjustable shocks. And it'll be something that just looks like some weird cross between road race, NASCAR, and you'll just be able to go out and flog it. And when you're done, you can drop it on the ground and just confuse everybody. Nice. I like it. I like it. So what is the name of your YouTube channel? Tri Lakes Performance DIY. So Tri Lakes Performance DIY. And how many videos do you have up there? Right now we have 11 posted. I have a few more videos we're going to start shooting on the Porsche I bought my wife. We're going to be doing some basic maintenance items on the Grumman. We're going to be doing, as we tear into the LS, we're going to do that. Jeff's going to, one of these days, actually get his car and drive it. So we'll have some more videos on the Lowrider. Yep, I'm, I'm getting ready to start shooting. Um, I should have the engine fired over this week. Um, once I get that running, I'll put some videos up on that. And then uh, once I start digging into setting up the hydraulics on it, I'm going to do a bunch of videos on that, actually showing what actually goes into that whole process, you know, as opposed to what you see on TV where it's just like, oh, you, you plug it in and you hit some switches. It's, it's, it's a little, yeah, yeah. it's definitely more. It's an yeah. electrical nightmare if you, you do it right. Are you guys on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter? We are, uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook, but no Twitter. What are the handles? We are at Twilight Performance on Instagram and Facebook. Very good. Very good. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate you uh, you're coming in and telling us about what you guys are doing together. I think this is awesome, and people should go check out Tri-Lakes Performance on Instagram. That would be cool, and, and follow along. You guys are definitely you know sharing quality information, educationally based, and uh, there's a YouTube channel too. I'm going to have to check that out and, and see uh, see what all, what all is there, but I appreciate you uh, you letting us call in and, and bug you this afternoon no it's my pleasure thanks for having us and uh i can't wait to meet you in person when we get down to florida and hug jeff so we'll, we'll definitely drop by awesome man thanks yeah. i look forward to it sounds good All right. have a great day man all right you as well <laughs> so so for for all of the uh for all of the burning the candle at both ends you seem to be doing a bit of that yourself yeah i you know I try and position myself where I can still, um, you know, I'm, I'm still a family man at the end of the day. So I try and get as much handled between, you know, 6.45 in the morning and 4 o'clock at night. And then the rest of the time is, is with my daughter and my wife. So. Right. So let's let's tie things back into, obviously, you know, you do have, uh, you've got a pretty substantive uh, motorcycle career too that you've put a lot of time and effort into and you're currently with baker drivetrain you're not yes I'm, so I'm what still do you do with baker them drivetrain so i i handle a lot of knowledge basically um so i handle a lot of the the online chats um keeping up with the forum stuff uh salespeople have questions i jump on help out with that um calling customers that are in a, in a situation trying to work through you know, different calculations, different problems of installations, things like that that might be going on for them. So, so do you handle you handle customer stuff too? Yeah, on on a case to case basis. If it's you know if it's beyond where a salesperson can help out, I'll help on. I'll hop on, give the people a call. 
you know, kind of walk them through what they got going on. And you worked for a lot of years. Um, obviously, when <clears throat> when I departed from JR Psychoworks, you stepped in to the to the road team for Baker, and you've done a lot of installs as well on the road, as well as sales and stuff too. So, and yes. yep. um, that goes back uh, that goes back. 12 years now yeah you've, you've done that so it's crazy it's been that long yeah it is um yeah oh nine would have been when you had picked up where i left off going to sturgis and so how let's talk about a little bit you know one of the things we try to talk about on the podcast a lot is obviously where we're at in the motorcycle industry today and you know try not to focus too much on where we were in the past but you know, you've seen you've seen it when it was not so great. You've seen it when it's when it's good. You went to Sturgis every year during the um, did, or several times during the what I would call the, you know, when the when the economy crashed and that. You know, how do you how do how do you feel about that compared to the way things are now? You know, it's it's been a it's been a weird change. Um, you know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, up through twelve. Um, moving on up into 2013, I mean, you did see that dip in attendance. You saw that dip in what people were spending, um, you know, but it just goes back to the old adage, those that have money will still spend money. Um, you know, and that's kind of what kept, I think, the whole industry going through that time period. Um, that's an interesting viewpoint of it. Yeah, I mean. Because I look at motorcycles as a necessity. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't. Right. I mean, I live and die by it. Right, you know, as as much as I clown and and kid and say, you know, but I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that. I never thought about it like that. I've never heard that adage. Um, I thought you were going to say something to the effect of um, m more in the line of uh, it was a quality over quantity thing. You know, when you have, you know, um, you know, I don't know what the numbers were back in those years in Sturgis. But I don't know that they were, you know, I mean, 04, 05, I don't think there was that many people riding. So even no. if everybody went and it was 180,000 people or 200,000 people going to Sturgis, that would have been everybody that right. rode. Right. And so in 2008, 9, 10, 11, those, those lean years, we'll call them, I mean, did you still see, I mean, was it a, how was the overall, like, because I didn't go those years. How is the overall demeanor compared to way the way it is now? I mean, do you still do you are you optimistic about the motorcycle industry right now? I, I am. Um, you know, it depends on who you read and who you listen to. I, I'm still optimistic about it. Um, you know, the pandemic was bad for a lot of people, but who I talked to in the motorcycle industry, you know, people weren't spending their money going on extravagant vacations. They spent money on their bikes. And, you know, we right. at Baker we we did well through the pandemic. You know, people were buying our products, putting them in their bikes and getting them ready to ride, which is, which I think is cool. You know, how are you guys able to, and I know you can't speak on behalf of everything that went on in there and I'm not asking you to, because that's not fair to you or to, to Bert and Lisa, but, and, and I don't mean like, how did they handle it? But they were in, you know, um, the state of Michigan, it's no secret that it was arguably one of the more, uh, tempered right. places, um, a lot more restrictive places still is uh during covid how are those waters navigated in a in a fair and equitable manner still adhering to those types of, of restrictions and how do you how do you have a what i'm trying to say is how do you have a company that manufactures things in the united states manufactures them in michigan 
when we have, I know we have the best years that we've ever had this last year in the motorcycle industry. Many people have. How does a company that's in a state that is most restrictive still capitalize on that and take care of people and not get passed up? So we, as, as a sales team, you know, we all worked from home at that point. Um, it was closed down. I think our, our production was closed down for about six weeks, but you know, people were understanding and cool about it, which you don't really think people are going to be, you know, they want something right now. They want it today. Um, luckily we had some stuff on the shelf that we could still ship out. Um, but we were closed for manufacturing for, it was, it was a good stretch of time. Um, but we just talked to people, you know, Hey, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. We'll get it to you when we can. And people were surprisingly understanding about it. How does, how did it impact? And, and again, if I'm asking you questions that are outside of what you have the ability to articulate, let me know, but I'm very interested in, and I'm not trying to put anybody in a corner. What I'm right. really trying to, you, you're the first manufacturer uh, employee that I've had an opportunity to sit down with since all this started that wasn't on the CEO side or, you know, um, how do you remain pragmatic and develop new product in an, in a time where people aren't supposed to be out and about and mean, what is, are there, are there things that got put on the, on the back burner that maybe we, we don't see yet from Baker or are there things that, you know, was that kind of, was that kind of put on the back burner all altogether? So from that side, from the engineering side, it was, um, you know, you can't shut down an engineer's brain that just keeps working. So it was a lot of pen to paper at that point. And then when things were opened back up, um, we were able to get back cooking into things. So, so that's a good answer. I mean, I, I never thought about it like that, that you have somebody who's obviously, if anybody's had any personal interaction with Burt Baker, they know that, um, I don't like to use the word manic, but he's, he's very, very much, um, dynamic and he's exactly. very much, uh, somebody that is not going to be, uh, idled and he's going to use every ounce of daylight that he can to get the, it's almost like, um, <clears throat> I equate when you deal with someone like Burt Baker and, and I, you know, I don't have any problem with him hearing me say this. Um, it's almost as if he has. Uh, uh, something that is unhealthy in him that he has to get out. That's going to, that's going to end up being a good motorcycle part that it's, it's going to, it's going to, you know, pollute him or um, I don't know what the right art way to articulate this is, but he has to get it out on the paper into a, into a CAD program, into a machine and in his hand, he, it's well, it, like, it becomes toxic if it doesn't, it, does that make sense? Yeah, and With Bert, it, it, may, it makes it toxic for him if he doesn't get this fucking idea out and into somebody's hands and on a motorcycle. Right, and you can see it anytime you talk to him, his mind never stops. Um, you know, I've explained it to a lot of people. He's, he's honestly the smartest guy I've met working in this industry, doing this, just, he just doesn't stop. You know, his brain is constantly moving, which... You know, you meet people like that in life, and it's it's got to be painful operating that way. Yeah, you know? he, I would L say luckily, that. Luckily, I'm not I'm not cursed with that. So yeah, I'm not cursed with genius I, level I've that, thinking. I've got that shut off switch. It works well. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that's a good way to a good way to articulate that is that um, he does need to he does need to get that out and out into into someone's hands. You right. know, and yeah. he always wants to be the guy that breaks it first. Yeah. He wants to break things. Oh, yeah. He's he's the best R&D we have because he's going to ride it to, you know, he's going to turn it up to 11 every single time. 
<laughs> so you have, um, you know, in me being the the having the advantage of being uh, in Baker for in and around that what I'll call family uh, for so long, family, uh, you know, that it, it is and it's not at the same time. Um, you know, that is a very unique cataclysmic event that occurs with every day inside yeah. those four walls. So you're here in Florida, they're in Michigan. How do they effectively convey the level of energy that's there to somebody who doesn't work inside on a regular basis? Um, so during the pandemic and over the summer, we have, well, they still currently have it. They have daily sales meetings kind of talking about what's coming up, what's going on, what were numbers like, you know, and it's, and they keep everything inclusive. So they, they keep me in on, on everything that's going on. Um, you know, obviously technology these days is amazing. So, you know, all the email communication that comes through, I've, I've got it at my hands, you know, at all times. But um, do you feel though, and I've worked for Baker, so I know there's an energy that occurs and there's this sense of urgency sometimes. It's not there all the time, but sometimes it's it's very it's not desperate, but it's definitely, you know, it's 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 important. Right. There's this level of importance that it, that occurs inside that company where it's like, listen, we have to get this done right now. Right. And whether it be because the customer needs it, whether Bert needs to get it out of his brain and onto paper and into the CAD program and onto the the machine, the CNC machine, and onto a bike so he can break it. Um, there is this this thing that I try to explain to people. They do they don't operate like a Fortune five hundred company. Right, right. There there isn't a board of directors that make these lazy decisions. Yeah. They they operate in a space where they can pivot on a dime, and and I've 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 mistakenly held that against Bert from time to time because I like uh, I like to be comfortable a little bit sometimes. Right. You know, I like to be able to, like you said, you have an off button. Yeah. I like to I like to pound and then sit. You know what I mean? Like I right. like I'm 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 a football. I use football references a lot. And so I like to I'm on the defense, you're on the offense. Um, you know, or I'm on the offense or on the defense rather, I'm going to, you know, I'm on the team. We're going to pound that ball in, 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 we're going to get it over the goal line. And then I want to sit on the bench for five minutes. Right. Catch a breath where Bert doesn't understand that. Mm -hmm. And so I think he has a propensity to not hold that against somebody, but see that as a weakness in somebody or find a workaround around that person. And, yeah, and, and it's very tough to be in that space as an employee. And um, he's, he's surrounded himself with employees that can keep up with that too. And that's kind of what makes it work for that company is that you need to be able to move like that. You need to be able to turn on a dime. You need to be able to keep up. Just, I feel like he's the kind of guy, the kind of CEO that would call you at 1030 in the morning on December 25th, when your seven year old just opened her biggest gift for the year and have you out in the garage measuring fucking parts. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't, I'm not saying that that's the worst thing in the world, but I, I feel like he doesn't have, he, but at the same time, he would be away from his kid opening the biggest gift they got that year and right. would be out in the garage on the phone with you measuring something too. Like, you know, and that, and that just goes back to like what we talked about, you know, he just, he doesn't have that shutoffs, which is, you know, in business, what he does is, is probably, a good characteristic. Um, yeah, maybe so. I need to need to kill my fucking shutoff switch. Yeah, <laughs> you might be more productive. I, I don't know the rest of your life would be as productive, but <laughs> I don't know. 
I, I revel in some of my lack of production sometimes. <laughs> I amaze myself at some of the lack of production. Right. I, I amaze myself at how little I can do sometimes. Yes. Well, I do. But you know what? 50 is a lot different than 30. Yes. We, we actually just talked about that a little bit. Yeah. I, mean, I think I said to you, you said, God damn, this last 20 years has been way harder than the, <laughs> than the other 20 years it was there. How old are you now? I uh, just turned 41. Did you really? Yeah. You bastard. You missed my birthday. No, I didn't. I wouldn't say I was missing it. Um, no, it's it's forty one isn't really a great milestone. So. No, but forty one is. It is for you though. Yeah, I mean, to I be, made it. To I be, made it to be quite far. honest, you know, yeah. what a lot of people don't know about you is that, you know, and and I am forever talking to you about this, and and I remember there was a, a point in time where maybe you thought that uh, you weren't as successful as what you wanted to be in the space that you occupy right now. And I pleaded with you, please just stay the course, just yeah. stay the course. You know, it's funny, um, you know, and what we're talking about is if you are one of Jeff's friends, you are charged with, and it's not as severe now as what it used to be because you have monitored this in a, in a very different way, but everybody knew that if Jeff got argumentative, started sweating too much <laughs> and, was wandering off that you were going into a diabetic shock. Right. Because you're type one. Yes. And you've been type one your whole life. Yeah. Uh, so no drugs. Right. No alcohol ever. Right. But you've been around people who drink alcohol. Me, Evan, like yeah. you, you've never been that guy. You don't look down your nose at what we're doing. Yeah. I, I kind of live vicariously through you guys. And I also kind of kept you guys on track and made sure nobody ended up dead. So. <laughs> yeah. Right. It You're like kinda, a built in DD. Yeah. But you never, it was, it was always, um, it was always one of those things where it, you know, and type one is very different than type two. Yeah. And yep. so, you know, now you have a pump and I, I always go back to the story of it Sturgis at the, the little market there on, uh, God, I can never remember the name of that street that goes runs perpendicular to Lizelle that has the market on it and right. the, the little, the little taco Johns, yep. uh, the, the taco Johns, the little grocery store there. And you kind of got out of sorts there and they basically had to shove a Snickers down your throat. Yeah. Somebody, somebody open. stole a banana and <laughs> made me sit down and eat it. I thought I'd seen my wife. So I started, that's right. Started following my wife who was actually not in, South Dakota at the time. Um, <laughs> what yeah. is what is what is the life? Uh, what are the some of the challenges that you have as a type one diabetic in in just in day to day life? So I mean, you know, like you said, I, I got on the insulin pump and um, a Dexcom monitoring system about six years ago, and that's basically changed the game. Um, I look at kids coming up now that have this technology and think how much easier it's going to be for them. But I mean, it's just you know, I'm constantly watching my watch to see what my numbers are like. Um, you know, but after 36 years of going through this, it's starting to take its toll on my body, you know, which right. sucks. I mean, I went blind in my right eye uh, a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess. So looking at that now. That's not coming back. No, well, hopefully. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a retinal therapist now, but hopefully he can perform some magic and I can see again. So how does that, how has that affected your depth perception for driving and, and working and well, stuff? Well, luckily my new car has lane departure warning. So that's very helpful. <laughs> well, you're, you're always, avoidance. you're always so glasses half full. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, what's, 
I looked at it a long time ago. What's it going to get me if I'm just pissed about it all? You know, it's just going to make me unhappy. So you always got to be positive about it. It's funny stuff. because I was your friend long enough ago that where it would be, you would eat a cookie and go, ah, just take some more insulin. <laughs> and hence the reason why I'm blind in my right <laughs> Right. It was that fucking chocolate <laughs> it chip that, cookie. <laughs> it, was, it was all those donuts. Donuts were not my friend. Oh, you know? God. Yeah. Well, I can remember thinking... I, I was at the school and they came to me and said, uh, what kind of, what kind of auto shop do you want? And I said, what? And they said, well, we want to build you. We're going to build you an auto shop. What kind of auto shop do you want? And I thought, well, I'm, school's been around for a long time. I mean, isn't this just something you order? You write right, a PO yeah. for an auto shop and they're like, yeah. no, that there's no such thing. And so I, I want the biggie meal number four. Yeah, exactly. And I remember sitting down and I was like, okay. And so I drew a picture of what I thought, the floor plan would be for an auto shop and I took it home and I showed Karen and I drew it again and drew it again. And I said, well, I met with them and I said, well, this is what I think we would want. We'd want a classroom here, uh, uh, some hoists here, so, you know, a tool room here. And, uh, they sent it to an engineering firm. And about two weeks later, that guy came back with a set of prints and rolled them out on my table and said, what do you think? And I said, ah, I was blown away. I was like, wow. And we ended up taking that entire floor plan and flipping it. Right. If you remember where your office is and where your uh, classroom are, we had those on the other side of the building at, at, at jump because yeah. of the orientation of where the building was going to be. Right. And so because of the way we did, we did that, we flipped it back. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that I don't take, uh, I don't, take enough time to, to think about. And I was thinking about it actually the other day though, about how, what if I had stayed there? I'd have 10 years in now, right? I'd be in my right. 11th year of teaching. And I thought then I would have to do another nine to get 20 in. And, uh, you know, there is a, there is a, a big part of me that I think when I check out, that's going to regret have not having held, held the, held the keys to the fort there for, for a long time. But I will tell you that when, uh, when they told me that we were going to add another teacher, you were the first person that came to mind. And that's when I called you at, at your four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it was just like, look, this, we're going to do this and I want to make this happen. And you, I don't know. I, I think it was very serendipitous. I didn't know at the time. I knew that you didn't drink. I knew that you didn't party. Well, you partied with us. You were, right. you would stay up as late as we'd stay up. You'd go to every bar that we went to. You'd go to every party that we went to. You just didn't drink. So I just, I was, I, I've always, especially back then, however many years ago it was, um, saw that as, as kind of, you know, contrary to most of the people that I surround myself with, if I will, right. if you will. Uh, but I was surprised in that. And so in, I never, I never knew, I just didn't think about the diabetes thing and I'm glad now that when I called you, you flew out and we we're like, okay, we, I remember that when you landed, you were, you had a hard hat on and you had the, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you already had the job when you landed. Oh, I didn't No, All you had to do was like, literally, I, I knew that you were the guy right? without even knowing whether you wanted to do it or not. I yeah. just knew that. And then I found out about the diabetes and I found out about all the other things that were going on. I was like, this is a perfect fit. Yeah. You coming in and you're just, and I, you know, the degreed thing only helped, but it didn't matter because right. you were working at a dealership and it had way more dealership experience that I had. And, uh, yeah, when you landed, we, we had already decided like if, if, if he shows up, I said, this is the guy, this yeah. is the guy I want to work with. And I knew, 
as soon as we started school, I knew that things, something was wrong and I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. And when they handed me the keys to that building, yeah, I knew that day that I, that would, that this is going to be the last year that I taught. And I remember having the conversation with you and you're like, well, you you had me move across the fucking country man and to come work here with you and i was like no i always tell everybody like in my business and i've said this a hundred times on here that regardless of what your position is in a business you should always be looking for your replacement right that makes sense you know and i knew the first day of school when i saw you with those kids i was like okay this is going to be good. This yeah. is going to be good for him. And and I don't know who you teach with now, and, and I don't know what kind of credentials they have, and I don't know what kind of working arrangement you have. But the kids that we worked with those first few that I worked with for the, you know, because I taught there three years, right. um, I built lifelong bonds with some of those kids. And I, and I hope, that my, my hope always was that you would get the same thing out of it and that you would be able to stay there long enough. And, and now you have. You put down roots there. You've been there yeah. a long time. It's the longest job you've ever held. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. At the same place. I mean, yeah. not you were always a good dealership technician, but that that's a that's a job that requires you to move. Yeah, that's you're just always chasing the dollar in that job. You're always moving to the next place. The next shop offers you two dollars more an hour, and you know you take it. So you call up the Snap-on guy and tell him to come pick up your box <laughs> yeah. and take it to the next dealership that he services. Yep. You know, yeah. That's such a weird. That's such a weird career path of moving and and putting things over here and putting things over there and trying to make everything fit it 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 never really it never really does right my mom told me one time you have to get somewhere and you have to like uh you have to make your own place there yeah and the only way i was able to ever make my own place was to build my own company yeah you know i mean so i ride that razor's edge all the time but it's it's funny how things have changed now in the right. last couple of years, because now my daughter works with me and my daughter's taking the company over. My daughter is going to be doing this. And it's, it's, it's very odd for me. You, you know, know? And, and I think with anything, like you said, you just need to surround yourself with good people. And, and like you said, find your next replacement. I mean, that's, that's the only way to maintain success. I think. Yeah. Is to put good people behind you right. and, and not under you. I mean, I know <clears throat> when we worked there together, it was, uh, you know, that was a very weird experience for me. I started, teaching uh in 2010 uh because things had gone awry with some investors here at cycle stop usa but i was still able to manage to keep the company for a little while and then i lost it and had to buy it back and that was a long story but um i remember going to getting off the last day of school for the year and then having my first summer break as a teacher right and it really, your summer break as a teacher really isn't what people think it is. Yeah. You got three or four weeks of doing whatever you want. Right. Other than that, you've got, you know, the end, the, the school year gets bookended. And yeah. a lot of people don't know this. You start the week of Sturgis. You start with, you know, teacher planning week, which is usually pretty fun if you've got a good administrative staff, which right. we did when you started yeah. teaching. Oh, yeah. We still had, it was great. except for that one lady, that Carla lady. But <laughs> she, she uh, loved you. Oh, she, I don't think she loved me, Jeff. <laughs> I think she absolutely feared and loathed me. I'll never forget just telling her that if you ever come back in this school, in this building right here, you're going to have a problem. But, um, well, that's, you know, and that kind of goes with the industry I'm teaching in or, you know, what we had taught together right. is that we don't have to operate as 
a normal high school teacher. I mean, we still follow the same rules, um, but we can still operate the way we need to to make it a shop. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's what administration needs to understand. And that's what you know, and that's just building relationships. Yeah. And it's it's in the proof is in in the, the type of professionals that you produce at the other end. I, I hated that the that how they determined that was based off of some NATEF stuff. And we don't have to get into that. But, uh, you know, I'm not a standardized testing kind of guy. Right. I don't think there should be a standardized testing. My favorite meme in the world is one where, you know, the, they say the fish is stupid because he can't, can't climb a tree. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think that children need to be um, put into situations where they can be infinitely successful. Oh, yeah, exactly. Infinitely successful. Right. And, you know, uh, brain surgeons don't make what basket weavers do. Right. But we need baskets, too. Right. And so uh, I was always a, a big fan of <clears throat> of the kids that needed needed a little bit of scaffolding, a little bit of help. But I, I went back to school. I'm, I'll never forget being teacher work week or planning week, rather, the first year, my first year back. And I went to uh, our principal at the time, uh, who is a, one of the dearest human beings I've ever met in my whole life, Miss Karen Nettles. And I said to her, I said, hey, who is the the CTE, uh, the the that department head, who is the department head this year. She goes, she looked at me, she goes, you want to do it? I was like, uh, okay. She goes, well, you're the department head then. <laughs> you know, I was like, I've been teaching for exactly one year, you right, know, right. and now I'm the department head. And then that was the first, that was the, the first time that happened. Yeah. And by the things, by the time things were over, I was running discipline for the entire high school. Yeah. Okay. I was, uh, doing the national junior honor society, uh, I was on that board of directors. Right. I was the department head for CTE. I was writing curriculum for the entire district for guys that had been te over on the other side of town at Marchman that had been teaching right. since Christ was a carpenter. And I thought, this is a really bizarre thing. So we're going to need you to facilitate PLCs. Okay, cool. What's a PLC? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I remember doing, and we had a very unique thing that you and I did. We came up with the, the, uh, we ran everything on an honor system and we ran everything uh, on a reward system and a merit system. And right. I know that it's probably not still the same way as what it was when I was there. But when those kids, I'll never forget, were you there the year the kids got the, the blue jackets? Uh, I came that next year. So I, I still carry that tradition on. Though. Do you? Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that you do that because when those kids got, when they earned those blue jackets, and I say earned because they earned them. Yeah. They had to buy them, but they earned the right to right. buy those jackets. Yeah. And we had those patches made for them in the classes that they had, that they yeah. had finished, you know. And when I saw those young men, and I didn't have any ladies that had the blue jackets. Hopefully you've had, had I've some. Had, I've had a few, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that's awesome to me, yeah. you know. And that's why I, when I went and got that logo tattooed on my arm is because I'll always – That'll, that's something that'll always carry with me is that how important that building was to me and the kids that work there and in you and, and us and our relationship. And, uh, it's, it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I think we've done, we've done good with what we had. So. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to be able to scale something up the way we have, uh, the way we did it in, in this day and age where people are so easily dismissive of non, you know, of, of skilled trades. Right. It's like 
you know, you need plumbers and electricians and mechanics and well, you know, was, the doctor was, can't get to work right. and the code writer can't get to work if they, yeah. if their car doesn't start. Well, and that was always a big, that was a hill, big hill to always climb. And it still is today, you know, convincing people that, you know, this isn't just for the dumb kid that can't pass math. This is for, you know, this is a needed job. We all need to do this. And, um, you know, getting kids interested in it, getting kids enthusiastic about it. You know, it's, you got to change a lot of minds to get them to that point. And that's, you know, it's, it's still a fight today, but it's a fight I'm willing to keep going on. So I think everything worthwhile is a fight. Oh yeah. Exactly. I, uh, I maintain that, that, you know, <clears throat> I'm not willing to have a conversation with somebody about something that they're not willing to fight about. Yeah. I don't mean fist fight. I'm talking about substantiate why you think it's so important or why it's not important. Sometimes people think things aren't important and that's the problem. Yeah. Well, so. and, if, and that just goes to the whole lemming idea. Like if everyone's just following along the same line and no one has opposition to it, then what's the point? Yeah. I think that there needs to be um, some, some real conversation about what in the actual hell is going on with things, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Well, dude, we're at an hour. Really? That goes fast, doesn't it? That went quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> um so plug your plug your YouTube channel again. All right, it is Try Lakes Performance DIY, as mm. in do it yourself. Um you know, jump onto YouTube, check us out, check us out on Instagram and Facebook, same Try Lakes Performance DIY. Um Another shout out is to SP Tools. They're one of our sponsors. Um, SP Tools USA. Uh, they're they're getting a good foothold in the industry now. Um, if you go on their site, you like some stuff, and you put TLP DIY, you'll get a ten percent discount. Really? Checkout. Yep. Very good. So they're like I said, they're one of our sponsors. They got some good quality stuff coming out. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And so, um, your anything going on with the school that you can report? Um, man, we're just trying to wrap up the end of the year, five more weeks from today and in the school year will be done. Um, you're just doing all the end of year wrap up stuff. Um, you know, getting the kids ready for industry, industry certifications, which is something new from when you left. It's, uh, who administrates that as far as the certification piece of that? So we have, um, we have, uh, a lady at the school that handles that. She's a, an academic advisor that that handles all the, the certifications. Really? So that's a little bit different than what we had. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, I spend the year getting the kids ready for the, the industry certification. Um, I'm doing FADA and that ASC this year. Nice. So Very good. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I love you very much. You're one of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, I'm glad that you uh, took some time to, to drive all the way over here and, and do this with me here. And, and I appreciate from just from the standpoint of somebody who is an employer of people, I appreciate the fact that you're still with the school and still doing what you do and still putting quality human beings out. Cause like I said before, dude, we're not raising kids, we're raising adults. And yep. so I appreciate that very much. And yeah. so I love you and uh, we don't see each other as much as we should. And we need to find a way to, to change that. We so do. I we appreciate really that. All so, right. all right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you.